Welcome to Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more, including our upcoming orienteering course, Know Where You Want to Go and How to Get There. The goal of orienteering is to empower each student to identify where their passion, interest, and occupation intersect. Explain the differences between work, career, and vocation, and how each contributes to the student's personal pathway. Teach students awareness and optimization of their own learning habits. Identify personal strengths and weaknesses using an array of assessment tools. Students will leave class with a personal pathway based on strengths, interests, passions, and giftings paired with real-world career exploration. Students will identify spheres of possibility with multiple viable paths to personal success and occupational well-being. Each student will complete a capstone project presenting a personal pathway of their own, showing interest zones, job opportunities, and a contingency plan of their own design. Group discussion, personal discovery, and dynamic assessment are components of the course. Orienteering. Life's too complicated to navigate by a sense of direction. Know where you want to go and how to get there. Equip your student to chart their own course. Prepare them with proven techniques and empower them to handle adversity. Without further ado, David and Lisa Neering of True North Homeschool Academy presenting Integrity, a Soft Skill. We are still talking about integrity on the podcast. Again, today I'm joined by my husband, Dr. David Neering, because you're going to be hearing from him in a professional capacity. I wanted to give you a little bit about his background. David has a master's degree in theology and a master's degree and PhD in clinical psychology from Fuller Theological Seminary. He's worked in schools, prisons, the military, and private practice for over 30 years and has special interest in faith and mental health work. He is the clinical director at Bethesda Christian Counseling with offices in three states and eight locations. And today we're talking about integrity, and we want to look specifically at integrity and mental health with particular interest in what we as parents can do to encourage integrity formation in our kids. So again, David, it's great to have you on the podcast. It's always great to be here, Lisa. It's fun. Thanks. Let's talk about integrity and mental health. Do they matter for people of integrity? Can you be a mentally stable and healthy individual if you're lying and cheating all the time? Well, uh, I mean, the whole concept... that that wasn't a setup or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, to be a good liar, you have to... Uh, lie to yourself. If you are telling yourself the truth and trying to lie, you're going to be a rotten liar. You know, <laughs> and by the same uh, token, you know the the people who tell the the best lies are the ones who really begin to confuse themselves. And over time, they pretty much have a hard time distinguishing what is a lie and what isn't. Mm-hmm. With with folks over time, same with keeping promises. I mean, if if you don't, if you're you're not keeping your commitments to other people, you're really not going to keep commitments to yourself. And so when you try to do things to address issues within yourself, you're going to have trouble with that. You know, there's that old saying, I always lie to myself, but I never believe me, you know. <laughs> never heard that saying, actually. Right. It's And, and so the thing is that when people try to, are, are not uh, cultivating their own sense of personal integrity, it really does corrode their ability to have integrity in their relationships with others. Let's just go over really quickly again. What is the basis of being a person of integrity? Well, again, being a person of integrity is about keeping your promises, telling the truth, and all of that integrated with the principles of God, of godly living. There's mm-hmm. principles of, of of life and death that cause us to be effective as human beings. And we when we disregard those principles of living, you know, telling the truth, respecting property, you know, following up on promises, respecting sovereignty, respecting, you know, gender, respecting what institutions like marriage are, respecting the what what children can do at various ages of their life, 
and, and who the elderly are, when we disregard those things in relationships, we do pay a, a serious price for those. And so it's very important that we respect that there's principles of living that we all have to live by and telling the truth and keeping our promises based on those principles is what makes for a person of integrity. It sounds like you're really advocating for the Judeo-Christian point of view, which I obviously agree on. That's where I'm coming from, yeah. We all know people of integrity that might not necessarily be Christian. Well, absolutely. Uh, But the thing is, People have an instinct within within themselves of a basic morality. Mm-hmm. They're fairly bad, generally speaking, at being able to walk that out as thoroughly as they would as they would like. And they also have their different individual takes on that basic uh, uh, morality. I think C.S. Lewis talked about the idea of the Tao, which is this idea of universal ethics that most people have and and carry out in their relationships. So the idea of this idea of sort of intrinsic ethics and morality is fairly universal mm-hmm. because our ability to function as humans is dependent on it. And that really speaks to, I think it's Ecclesiastes, where we have eternity written on our hearts. Right. Well, and I think uh, another one is in the beginning of Romans. Though they knew these things, they didn't follow. There's that sense of God's imprint on us. Mm-hmm. And even though we know of God based on this morality, the Romans talks about us not living up to that mm-hmm. and, and suffering the consequences. Because again, a lot of people think of ethics and morality sort of as rules for living, things that you have to do, conventions and traditions. But really, those those conventions and traditions are only things on the surface. That's just what people do to try to somehow manifest those principles of living. You know, to change a true principle of life and death is not really possible. It's like trying to repeal the law of gravity. It mm-hmm. can't be done. It's something that has to do with being human. And well, when g- you give us an example so we can understand exactly what you're saying. Well, I, I, again, if I spend my time lying to others all of the time, okay, there's going to be consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And we can all say that lying is fine all we want. But the fact of the matter is that won't work out well after a very short time. Mm-hmm. In the same way, you know, l- let's look at the Soviet Union as a very practical example of that. You know, the Soviet Union is a communist state where they banned the private property. <laughs> well, how will that turn out? You know, people lost all their incentive to actually achieve in, in life, and, and they paid a horrible price for that. You know, in the same way, when, when you have, uh, you know, like the Nazis, you know, they instead of recognizing the the intrinsic image of God in all people, they privileged one group of people above all others. And again, you know, the people of Germany paid a very horrible price for that. Mm -hmm. And so when people disregard those basic moral laws, when people and communities and cultures disregard those basic moral realities, it's going to hurt them. It's like that that song from the Eagles, these things that are pleasing you will hurt you somehow. And, right? <laughs> Way to pull on a 70s song. There you right? go. Right, right. It's, it's, it's a philosophy <laughs> the philosophy and music. The glory right? That's right. That's what true, you know, the, the ethics, the principles of uh, life and death that God places in us are really all about. And then because we're really fairly poor at being able to pull those out and recognize and articulate them and live them, that's why we need moral teaching and ethical codes, like as in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So what about character counts programs that they have in schools and things of that nature? Well, I, I think there's an upside and a downside. I mean, there is an upside in the sense that they're acknowledging character is important. It's not as if they're basically implicitly or explicitly saying that values are important. And so those messages that say values are important, well, that's, that's helpful and that's useful. 
But when they're talking out of one side of their mouth that values are important, but then out of the, the other side of their mouth saying, but values are all relative, that really dilutes their message a whole lot. And how do they say values are situational? Well, again, if they're going to talk about ethics and values as being strictly situational, mm -hmm. that creates that confusion because it makes it look like the values are situational. Oh. It's the, the values are eternal and basic, but it's the manifestation, the expression, the application that becomes relative and situational. Mm -hmm. So the idea of thou shalt not murder, well, that's absolute. What constitutes murder in a specific situation? Well, that becomes a whole lot more relativistic, and they don't draw that distinction. Mm -hmm. So that creates confusion among kids and, and people generally, as mm -hmm. if these we're talking about the same thing when we're really not. It's mm -hmm. apples and oranges. Right. So just when you were saying that, I was, I was thinking about the whole concept of things being fair um, and just like how everybody gets a trophy for certain things, things being fair, but things not being just. Right. Well, I, again, you know, the, the Greek term in the Bible is diakosune, in the Hebrew it's Sadiq. It's the idea of, of real righteousness. It's a heart righteous. It's an internal, it's, it's something being truly right and good and just. Mm -hmm. That's a very, that's a deeper thing than what people are talking about here. It, it, it's a kind of a, it's a it kind of a legalism in many ways. Legalism is trying to accomplish right, just outcomes with formulas and simple rules and simple standards. And that's a good start, but that never gets gets you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, integrity is something that goes deep. Righteousness is something that flows out of that. That's not something that can just be you know, taught simplistically and relativistically. But if you're going to do nothing else, well, then that's good. That's mm -hmm. fine. I'm I'm glad to see they're doing those things as opposed to nothing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, again, in a society that cannot recognize basically a transcendent truth, a transcendent God, that's going to kind of be the best that they can do in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Because again, they've, they've cut themselves off from that deeper flow of those values and that truth. Mm -hmm. I saw a report this last week about um, somebody was going around to college campuses and interviewing kids on if they believed in socialism or not. And most of them said, absolutely, they believed in socialism over capitalism. And then the second part of the question was, so how are your grades? Most of them were really heavy hitters. They got good grades. And the guy then suggested that they give part of their GPA to kids who had lower GPAs. And they were really affronted with that idea that they should give something up that they worked for. And so if we look at our educational system and how it's actually purporting ideologies like socialism as a really positive thing, how do we combat that with integrity of just ownership and sovereignty, even personal sovereignty, but on a wider scale as well? Well, first, you have to start looking at the concept of we. Who's we? Yeah. I mean, if you... Uh, well, we again, the people. Right. We the people. Which people? I mean, ever since the, the time of multiculturalism in the 80s and 90s, we the people has been become fairly confusing for me and I think pretty much for other people out there. We all the people. Yeah, we all the people, whoever that is. You know, I think that, again, we as Judeo-Christians, we as people of the book, mm -hmm. we the people who are concerned about what is in Scripture, the God of the Scripture, and at least a little bit of concern about that God operating in the background of our idea of justice and righteousness. Mm -hmm. When we talk about that group of people, well, now we can talk about what we should do about it. But I'm not sure that we're always talking about that. 
when we have these conversations. So first of all, we have to be clear who the we is Mm -hmm. before we have the conversation. And the way we do that is we say, okay, well, what is the value system we're applying in our conversation? You know, what what do you take as being the basis of truth, basis of value? You know, what defines good, et cetera, the good, the beautiful, true, the just, where is that coming from for the from the people in the conversation? Once we have a general idea about where that is, well, now we can say, okay, well, we get that sense of 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 what's right, what's good, what's valuable, first and foremost from the home, from the parents, from a community of people who are at least somewhat alike in their their beliefs. And it's important that those people have relationships, real relationships that they're walking out and they're talking about important things and important things of identity in order to pass on this idea of character, of value, et cetera. In that context, then you can have teachers responding to parents and homes and communities that are doing that. When you have the, the, the teachers basically running point on this, it's a losing game. Mm-hmm. But when you have when you have teachers following parents, following communities, reinforcing what's already been taught, well, then you can do something very powerful. That's why you see in books from the 19th century a lot of a, a lot of material that relates to morals and ethics and even faith is because the people in the schools already knew that that's what the parents were doing and they were following up on that and that was appropriate. And that gets back to local control of the school system, which is a whole other topic. So right. we'll probably leave that one alone. So for we're now. not going to do that today, yeah, right? Although no, got it's it. uh, chomping at the bit here. Right. This gets back to, again, regardless of the educational system that we choose, although we really advocate for homeschooling and parental intentional investment in their kids as you educate your children, of really being integral and intentional about how you educate your kids and what you're doing with them as far as training goes. Well, right. And, and the, the first thing is the first step is me looking at me. Am I doing what I say, saying what I do, growing in my knowledge of the principles of God? That comes first. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it goes to, you know, I, I first start with me, then it's me and thee. Mm-hmm. That is, thee being my spouse is in you know, my relationship with my spouse. What am I doing to grow in integrity within in my marriage with my spouse as 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 a as a parental unit? So first, I deepen in my relationship with my my own integrity. Secondly, my spouse and I work on growing in our integrity as a spouse. Thirdly, then we begin to to cultivate a culture of integrity, and that's a lot of hard work because people are going to tell uh, tell the truth keep their promises, deal with conflict, you know, uh, work on communication, have adventures, cultivate, you know, the thirst and knowledge for the beautiful, the good and the true. But within that, be honest, tell the truth, etc., on the basis of the values of God. And then beyond that, cultivate friendships with other people who are also going to be doing that. And again, we live that way ourselves, you know, as for me and my house, I'll be serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm going to be doing. And anybody else is invited to play, provided they understand the game we're playing here. The game we're playing here, the rule book is in those 66 books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And and so that's how we then live, is we live those those values out. And it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to always be pretty. Um, it's the very suffering and pain of going through that is what forms you and deepens that integrity on far deeper levels than you'd ever be able to get to just by saying, oh, I'm going to tell the uh, truth and keep my promises. When you actually run into the suffering and pain and hardship of trying to live that as a, as a family, 
when you have in-laws that don't agree, when you have spouse that you can't communicate with, when you have children who have you know big challenges, when you have finances that blast you, when you have houses that burn, or you have cities that have tornadoes or earthquakes, or whenever you have those sorts of things, that's when that integrity begins to run deep as you persist in that, those values that, that I've been talking about. And children see that. Children are exposed to that. I had a supervisor in my marriage and family therapy program who was like, marriage isn't about making you happy or me happy. Marriage is a crucible. And really, when you're talking about how do I live out my integrity, it's one thing to be responsible for yourself. But when you start adding another person in, then all of a sudden things get really complicated. Right. Because you can't control another person as right. much as you want to. Right. Yeah. I mean, God knows anybody who's been married for two weeks knows we all want to control the other person. Right? Sure. Yeah. There's a book out there. I can't think of its name right now, but it's it says, what if marriage is not about making you happy, but about making you holy? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that general idea. I mean, it's it's the idea on the one hand that, that marriage and family life is not about me. On the other hand, it is about me growing and in my integrity, in my courage, in my character, in my sense of godliness, as as I grow to be more holy in a relationship with God. And as a result, it's really not about me, it's about God. And secondarily, it's about me in relationship with God. And thirdly, it's about me in relationship with other people and God. And circling back again, it's about their relationship with God. Okay? You make it sound so easy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, it's, it's doing something superficial here, right? Okay, so really what you just talked about, what you just described, was about every soft skill we're going to go over this year. Communication, teamwork, flexibility and adaptability, creativity, hard work. Relationships are just, let's face it, people, hard work. Well, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll see you and raise you fives. Hey, how about let's go back in time a little bit when we'd have these called virtues. Right. You know, the the old virtues are exactly that. Right. And so we're going to stop for now, but we're going to pick it up in the next week's podcast. And we're going to continue this discussion of integrity and mental health, especially as it relates to parenting and educating our kids. Looking forward to it, Lisa.